Some people like to smash bottles. I'll have to sweep that up. I'm scared to know what that is scattered about there. Yep, that's a diaper that's been run over about six different ways. See, that's why we use a grabber. Oh, yeah. My job on the Make Ready team is to get here bright and early every Sunday and get this parking lot as clean as possible to make it look good for all the people coming to join us on a Sunday morning. And of course, cigarette butts like to find any little crack they can. Sometimes you have to get creative here. You get good with the grabber after a while. We have people that, uh, that come set up the picnic tables, put our signs out at the street. We have people making coffee. I just got to think, I was like, well, hey, you know, this is something I can do to uh, give us uh, Gateway South a better first impression. Uh, what we have going on here at Gateway South inside the building is wonderful, but we want what's on, to me, what's on the outside to also reflect what's going on inside. That's a bottle somebody smashed off to get off the broom for that. Yeah, I found used condoms, needles, everything short of a dead body. For me, I've been a lifelong believer, but it's definitely helped me grow. This is the only church home my daughter's known. I mean, this is where she's come to know Jesus and wanting to be baptized. We want it to be a nice place where people can feel comfortable hanging out and chatting before or after service. And then if there was garbage blowing around all over the place, I don't think it would be quite as welcoming. So to have it look clean, I think that that makes a difference. <laughs> Thank Brad. Love it. By the way, I took a picture of Brad and some of the guys out there serving this morning. There they are. It's supposed to be a candid, but Dylan caught me in the action. That's Dylan, Darren, Steve. Yeah, you can give them a hand. They get here, I was going to say bright and early, but actually sometimes they're here before there's any bright. It's in the dark. They end up cleaning the entire parking lot uh, just so that as people come in, they don't necessarily have any distractions from what might happen in this space. And so we're grateful for them and all that serve so faithfully. Actually, Brad's also a part of the Gateway Guys. Maybe you've heard of this men's group that really pulls off the Fall Fest. They are part of the, the team that actually once a, a month helps with foundation communities. There's multiple groups that have brought meals to these folks that are in subsidized housing. They're there to help families in need. They were doing the yard work for the Papales as Mike was battling cancer. So grateful for them. I called them the backbone of our church once, so they made T-shirts that actually has a backbone going down the back. So if you've ever seen them, uh, that's, that's those guys. You know, I wonder, have you ever ended up riding on the bench? When I was a kid, <clears throat> I played baseball, and my dad was my coach. And in my day as a kid, okay, it's gonna stay, it made me nervous here for a minute. There we go. When I was a kid, all of us, all the parents, just invested so much time and energy and money because they knew we each had a shot at the pros. 
Actually, I'm a Gen Xer. That is completely the opposite of how we grew up. That's what's happening now, right? As kids, we thought we were going pros, but our parents could care less. In fact, I grew up in an era where parents had to be reminded they had kids. This is a true (laughs) clip from the news. It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your kids are? They had to remind our parents, oh, wait, that's right. I have children I have not seen. I should get them home. And we loved it. We rode around on our bikes and we played whatever sport happened to be the season. And I think that's part of why it was pretty remarkable that my dad was involved as our coach because he didn't like sports, but he liked us. Now, my mom loved sports. And you can tell as she was yelling at him what to do as the coach and yelling at us as players. But I was grateful for that season of my life. But my dad was incredibly fair. He never showed favoritism. In fact, my, my brother and I, every year, we would get the exact same presents. So to open Christmas presents, we would have to get the same box so that we would race to see what it was before the other one would open it. They were always that kind of fair. Even in his last few years of life, whoever got to host my parents for Christmas first would always call the other to give them a heads up of what they're about to get because <laughs> we always got the same thing. It's great to have a dad who's really fair unless He's your coach. You don't want to sit on the bench as much as every other kid. You want to play more than all the other kids. But I actually went back and looked to see of all the kids I grew up playing with, how many of them went on to make it into the pros? You know, it's about 1% of kids go on to make the pros. And when your mom is four feet 11, you probably have a lesser shot. But I still had that dream, right? So I went and look and come to find out from my school district in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, Kerry Blanchard, NFL place kicker. Tommy Maddox ended up playing for the NFL, then the XFL, then the NFL again. Adam Setliff, an Olympian, discus champion. Dennis Allen, head coach for the New Orleans Saints. But my favorite, I did not know two of these. One of these is actually my Facebook friend, Eileen Venisi. She holds records at UT in the shot put By the way, just because this is in black and white does not mean I grew up in the 20s. I'm not sure why it's black and white. But Eileen is a friend of mine on Facebook. And and then I discovered, just in my research, out of my district, not a professional athlete, but the lead singer for Skid Row. Not Sebastian Bach, the guy after him. And uh, that's got the same reaction for service. It's like, if it's not Sebastian Bach, it was still Skid Row. And then, I did not know this until just recently, Lazy Bone from Bone Thugs and Harmony was one year younger than me at my high school. Yes. I wish I could say we were Facebook friends, but we are not. But I was sitting on the bench hoping to go pro. It can be really frustrating. I actually ended up going head-to-head against Tommy Maddox in the championship game. Now, he was about six foot two in eighth grade. I was barely 5'2" in seventh grade, and I got a hit in the championship game. A couple innings later, back on the bench. At this point, my dad is no longer my coach. My ability to play baseball had gone beyond his ability to coach, but I was still riding on the bench. So finally, I took the hint and retired in eighth grade. What about for you? Have there been times in life, maybe it wasn't 
in sports, but in life, you felt overlooked. Maybe you gave it your all and ended up failing. Maybe there's been shame and guilt that have led you to sideline yourself. Or maybe you've gotten busy criticizing and stopped creating and dreaming. Now, the bench could look different for all of us, but it can creep into so many areas of our lives. Deep down, I believe all of us have this desire to to make an impact in the world, to do beautiful things in the world. But maybe it's the difficulties of our dreams or the busyness of life that have gotten us out of the game. Maybe it's by choice, by fear, by shame, we become spectators sitting on the bench of life. Now today we're talking about change your world. It's the last step in what we hope our kids will learn. We're taking kind of the basics, the back to school basics. And we don't say change the world, we say change your world. It's not about changing everything, it's about just changing what's right around you. That's our hope for our kids, but let's be honest. When we're kids, we have high hopes and then we become adults and we go back to the bench. We give up on our dreams. Maybe you don't know why you've ended up on the bench. Maybe it's been too difficult. Changing your world seems too lofty. Maybe it feels like you're living God's plan B for your life. If that's you, I wanna just say, you are not alone. And it's not too late. You don't have to stay there. And I don't know what's kept you paralyzed or afraid or too busy, ambivalent, or feeling unworthy, but I want to say today, it's time to get off the bench, to actually step into the game, the calling that God has for you. So in order to change your world, to get off the bench, I want you to consider for a moment what has you stuck. Maybe it's playing the comparison game. Maybe it's feeling shame or unworthiness from decisions or circumstances that you face, that fear of failure, or maybe things are going great for you right now, but you found yourself too busy of lots of good things that you're missing out on the great thing. Maybe all things of God have taken a back seat, but he's inviting you into something more. See, God is saying to each of us, it's time to get off the bench. I have something beautiful for you to contribute to experience. We're gonna look at a passage today where the hero of the story was on the bench for 40 years. We think the last four months have been hard. You can imagine not living up to your potential. You know what you're called to do, and yet for 40 years, you don't do it. It's the story of Moses. Maybe you've seen the movie. You haven't had to read the book. Prince of Egypt informed you. Or maybe you know the story as a kid, or maybe you've read it. The burning bush, let my people go, 10 plagues, parting of the Red Sea, the deliverance out of slavery for the people of Israel. It's an epic, remarkable, beautiful story. But we're going to actually look at the part of the story that's often not talked about. Just to recap, the Israelites were facing famine, and in order to survive, they moved to the land of Egypt and ended up staying there and multiplying into a great nation which threatened the Pharaoh who enslaved them. Eventually, 
He was so worried about losing his power and authority that he actually commanded the killing of all the baby boys of the Hebrew people. Moses' mom put him in a, a little raft, sent him down the river, and was discovered by Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him and actually ended up finding someone to nurse Moses, and it happened to be his mom. But he was raised in Pharaoh's family, learning all the best of governance and leadership and military strategy. He had the best of all things, but he still remembered where he came from. And one day he saw a Hebrew being beaten and he came to his defense and actually killed an Egyptian. And then he runs. Perhaps Pharaoh was out to kill him knowing that Moses had the capacity to raise up a revolution. Now to fear, Moses abandoned his people. And for 40 years, from that fateful act of murder and self-defense of an Israelite being beaten to death, he's living in the wilderness and tending sheep. Can you imagine the guilt, the sense of failure, the shame he must have carried with him all those decades Maybe Moses stuffed the feelings down, relegating them to a past life, a dream that would never come true. Maybe he got busy doing something he considered good, giving up on what was his purpose in life. But here's what I want us to hear today. In order for us to change our world, we have to get off the bench. Since we're going back to school, I'm going to give you a little math equation. It's an easy one. It's not algebra, geometry, simple addition. And it's this, your current location plus opportunity plus action is what equals change. Maybe take those little symbols, the little location, the door, the little thing that snaps for actors. And then you take that butterfly and just text it to the last person you send a text to and see what happens. Give them no context whatsoever. You can explain it to them later. But I want us to walk through Exodus 3 and 4 with this equation in mind. See, Moses and every other hero of faith, every noble hero in life has figured this equation out and has learned to live by it. Exodus 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb also known as Mount Sinai, significant place we see later in the story, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, just for a moment, you might be thinking, well, that's easy to get off the bench when you have a burning bush in front of you. And you might even be thinking, you know what? This is why I have a hard time reading the Bible or believing in Christianity or faith because I've never seen a burning bush. But let me just say this. If there was a God who created the universe, don't you think this is not even that 
dramatic of a miracle that he could show up and speak through a burning bush. And perhaps it was that important to get Moses off the bench because it was the freedom of his people, hundreds of thousands of people that was at stake. And so, verse five, once again, God said, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. See, I've never seen a burning bush, but I can tell you I've seen the miraculous. And one of the most miraculous things I've ever experienced is I have thoughts in my head that are from God. Now, I can tell they're from God because they always require selflessness. They require courage, and they're consistent with God's character. They're always compelling me to do something for someone that I would never normally think to do. And it's always kind. It's always self-sacrificial. So Moses is in this moment, and God is saying, it's time to get off the bench. And it starts in your current location. You may be thinking, I, I just need a clear sign from God. Maybe this is the sign. This morning, a woman came for the first time after years of watching on and off online. She just felt like she was supposed to get out of her house. And she came to Gateway South. And she came up to me and she said, you may not remember this, but seven years ago, I told you I have been struggling with believing in God. And you keep talking about reading the Bible. And every time I come, I hear about reading the Bible. And I just, I'm just too afraid to do it. She says to me this morning, that was seven years ago, and I've tried and then I quit and then I've tried and I quit. Well, I started a few weeks ago. And this morning, I listened to that story on in the Bible. And I have been praying, if this is real, God, speak to me. And now I've come to church for the first time in years and you're talking about the story I just listened to. That's not a burning bush, but that's a miracle. God has miracles all around us if we have the eyes to see them. If you want to get off the bench, you need to have the courage to take the first step, and that is seeing where you are. Wherever you go, if you are following Jesus, then his spirit is already there with you. Where we are is holy ground. That soccer field where you're there cheering on your kid who will one day go pro. In that place where you work, in the neighborhood where you live, in the school where you go to class, that can be where it starts. Some of you have been coming for a while, and maybe you haven't heard this story, but have you noticed that Hannah Ojeda does not wear shoes? Have you noticed that? It's inspired by this passage. Every time we see her bare foot, feet, it reminds us that we are in a holy place. Now, here's what's remarkable about Hannah. You may not know this. First of all, this weekend is her birthday. Yeah. But second of all, she started in her current location. She was a teenager in her youth group at Gateway North, living in Elgin with her parents and her brothers. And eventually she, I don't know when started singing, maybe since she was a child, but she is gifted. And she ended up a auditioning for up north, and it didn't seem to work out. They didn't seem to have a place for her. And so Kyle, one of these guys who was on our team years ago, somehow found her. 
And she began to come along with her family all the way from Elgin to Gateway South. And eventually she became an intern. And eventually Kyle left. I thought she'd be great to replace him. Although she was young and hadn't had a lot of experience leading, And I had to ask her, would she be willing to be our temp worship leader while we looked for a worship leader? And she was being offered chances to go to other churches, and she was kind enough to try it. She knew I wasn't the only one getting to make the decision. And for months, as we looked for someone to replace her, eventually I got to choose her. And now she oversees all of our worship for all of our campuses. Isn't that amazing? And by the way, she could have left our cute little campus for a bigger campus, but she's chosen to stay here. See, when you start in your current location, it doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. It doesn't mean there aren't gonna be times you're gonna have to ask God, why is this so hard? But when you step out in faith, you will see that God will make a way starting right where you are. Verse seven says this, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, and Termites. Just saying, making sure you're still with me. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now I want you to do something real quick. If you have a phone, just write in your notes your address. I'll just tell you why in a minute. Just write in your phone, in the notes, your address. See, here's what I... I want us to realize that for Moses, it started right where he was. But what God had for him required him to get up and to go. Now, right below your address, write, it starts here. Anytime you go to your notes, my hope is it stays near the top and you'll be reminded that you can be the person that brings change our world desperately needs by just bringing that change where you live. Investing in the people in your home, the roommates, And if you don't have roommates, the people who are right next door in the apartment complex, or if you have a spouse, or if you have kids, taking time to read the verse of the day and discuss it. Go through digging deeper. Watch one of the video devotionals that I'm posting. Whatever it is to have a meaningful conversation to move things forward. But then we see in this next part of the passage that it starts with our current location, but then it, you have to add to it opportunity. See, some of us, struggle with believing God because of all the awful things that come in our world. But I need to tell you that here's what's really remarkable is that you and I are actually how God wants to change our dark and broken world. Jesus taught us to pray that God's kingdom might come and his will be done, that more of heaven would come to earth. And we are to pray that regularly to remind us that we can actually be the answer to that prayer. See, if you follow Jesus, then the spirit of God comes to live inside of you and you have access to all of his love and his joy and his peace and you can bring that where you work. 
You can bring that to the soccer field. You can bring that to your neighborhood. And in a world that's so divided and there's so much hatred and acrimony, you can bring light. There's an opportunity right in front of us to bring that beauty that God longs for us, but it comes through us. Ted Beasley said just a few weeks ago, God will often let something tick you off to get you to move. You know, Ricky wrote this message. We all kind of work from the same manuscript and he wrote the phrase, tell a story about someone using their little resources or position to make a change. And I immediately thought of exactly that person. And we lost her 10 days ago. You'll recognize her the moment I put her picture on the screen. Her name is Krista. She was one of our greeters. You probably met her. She probably tried to hug you at some point. I first met her at the Dollar General right about when we moved in. And I invited her to come. And she didn't just start coming. She started serving. And she was usually here before everybody else. And she was always eager to tell me the latest in her family, bragging about her family, especially her grandchildren. Last Saturday, a week from last yesterday, she didn't show up to a grandchild's birthday. She had passed away just a few days before. I I want you to know that Krista would walk to church to serve here. And she would go out to lunch with Janeth right after it, La Posada. She would always have the biggest, most beautiful smile. I shared this story in the first service and a guy came up to me after and he said, you know what, I've been to multiple churches in Austin, never really found a place that felt like home until I came to Gateway South. You know, there are people that spend the entire week without any physical contact with another human being. But here, they might get a hug, a handshake, a fist bump. See, it starts with your location, but it continues when we seize the opportunity right in front of us. God is a God of opportunity. Verse 11, when Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain, the very place that he was standing. And so eventually, verse 10, Moses is trying to give all the reasons it shouldn't be him. Pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Maybe you felt like that before. You felt like Moses. We focus on the problems and not on the promises that God has for us. But eventually Moses went. See, it's current location plus opportunity plus action. That's what leads to change. Eventually Moses decides, you know what? I cannot stay here anymore. I cannot remain on the bench any longer. I was made for more. Exodus 4.20 says, so Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey and started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of God 
in his hand. We don't have time to go through the rest of the story, but let me just tell you, the Israelites were freed. I, I wanna tell you just a quick story. I was at the History of the Bible Museum five years ago, and I discovered something I'd never heard of up until that point. It was called a slave Bible. You see, the slave Bible was created by slave owners and they removed the story of the Israelites because they did not want the people they were enslaving to know that the God of the Bible wants freedom, that no one deserves that kind of treatment. But do you know that the people who were enslaved, they actually came to know the real Jesus. There's a beautiful documentary about Juneteenth in which a scholar points out that it was the African-American church that rescued the American church after the Civil War, that right-sized the understanding of how God has created each person in his image, that we all, men, women, slave, free, barbarian, Scythian, the most uncivilized, all are invited into this kingdom. See, the people who were enslaved started with an incredibly difficult location, an awful opportunity, but they took action, a faith that compelled them to trust in God when circumstances were at their absolute worst. And so the rest of the story is Moses overcoming those barriers. One more quick little story. A couple of guys I met at last Fall Fest go to another church, but they came to me with an idea, a vision. They said they wanted to end loneliness in South Austin. I was intrigued. Tell me more. And they said, we want to start a co-working space in your church. Now, we used to have a co-working space every Wednesday for like six hours, but the people running that have moved. They don't live here any longer. And they said that we want to be for co-working what Airbnb is for travelers. We want to see churches that are sitting empty during the week filled with people who are working all alone, meeting other people. And we want to try our very first church at Gateway South. So I was even more intrigued. And for months, we've been trying to work out the details. Again, they're not a part of our church. But their hope is that some of our neighbors who are not connected to church, who are lonely throughout the week, might start coming to our church during the week, find some friendships, maybe meet some of us as we're in and out, and not find it too uncomfortable to try out a Sunday. Maybe you know someone who fits that description that you could tell about dwell. Let me show you their little slide here. I love this. It's a card they give out. Get out of home free. Enjoy three days free at any dwell co-working location. So we left outside some of what they put up during the week in case you know someone you want to point towards that. Again, it's not affiliated with us other than they meet here. But I wonder, what is God calling you to do? What injustice is he inviting you to end? What have you overlooked and not considered in a while because it seemed too unlikely or you felt too unworthy or maybe you've just been too busy? I'm gonna invite the band up. They're gonna lead us in another song, but let me just end with this. If you don't mind, let's put on the screen a picture of our building.
Maybe it's as simple as starting here. I asked our team, what are some of the places we're having trouble finding enough help? And I heard things like, we've got more kids coming than we've had in quite a while. And maybe it's holding a baby in the first service so that you can then attend the second service, letting a mom or dad have a break for an hour. Or maybe it's attending the first service and then helping with middle schoolers during second service. Or maybe you want to be a part of the team that right after the service just helps clean up the building to get it ready for the week. You're already here. Why not stay a little bit later or come a little bit earlier? Maybe you want to help take Kristen's spot. To be a greeter that smiles no matter how difficult life might be to make sure other people feel welcome. I want you just to consider, ask God, God, what is my next step? And maybe for you, it's just, God, if you're real, show me who you are. I want a purpose that's bigger than me. Just talk to him in your heart as the band leads us in this song.